Hi everyone, welcome to our next episode on the Common Rounds. So today we'll be talking about brain tumors. That's following through from our previous talk on skin, uh, skin cancers, and I think we're leaving some of the harder ones very, last. Very heavy content. This one is very full on as well. And like the skin tumors, Andy, we sort of, before we talked about skin tumors, we talked about the different cells found in the skin. Yes and different structures of the skin. Yep. Obviously, we won't do a neuroanatomy lecture no. today, but we'll give you a brief outline of what are some of the normal cells that are found in the yep. tumor. So do you want to kick us off? Yeah. So obviously, you've got nerve cells, right? They're neurons. Yeah. And um, histologically, they, they come in a lot of different types, which I find quite interesting. They could be bipolar, unipolar. Yeah. They could be pseudo-unipolar. And this all depends on the num- like how the dendrites and the axons branch off. If you're interested, have a look. Yeah, them. there's lots of images on the yeah. internet that you can use. Um, but there's also other stuff, isn't there, besides um, nerves? Mm. So you've got astrocytes. These guys are star-shaped, and these fall under a category known as the glial cells. And what they do, they're, they're, one of their functions is to uh, be to support the surrounding metabolism. Also, they form part of the blood-brain barrier. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly right. Um, yeah, so what they do is they scavenge um, ions and metabolite metabolic waste secondary due to the neuronal functions but they also form like you said the blood brain barrier mm-hmm. what about oligodendrocytes what, what are they all about these are very interesting so they form myelin sheets and you might need to go back to if you're not too sure what a myelin sheath is you might need to go back to do some physiology yeah. and how nerve transduction is but yes so they're pretty much the same thing as a schwann cell but a schwann cell is in the periphery whereas an oligodendrocyte is in the brain and these guys form the myelin sheaths and help with nerve conduction. Yep. Very crucial stuff. Exactly. And the difference between oligodendrocytes and Schwann cells, aside from their location in okay. the CNS, is also the fact that um, oligodendrocytes can myelinate multiple axons, okay. whereas Schwann cells can only do one. Oh, so that's yeah. an important um, that's really cool. point to bear in mind. Yeah. What about microglia? Microglia are the macrophages of the brain. That's, a, that's how I'm associating yes. them with. So they will come, they will pop out whenever there's an infection yep. and then eat, start eating stuff up. Exactly. So whenever you see this increase in glial cells, that's a really concerning sign because it suggests that there might be an infection in the brain mm-hmm. or some sort of damage um, that's occurred in the brain. Yeah. Um, what about ependymal cells? Ependymal cells, these guys are uh, specialized epithelium which line the ventricles and spinal canal. Yes. So that that's what I know about them. And they're also important for um, circulating, producing, and reabsorbing CNS fluid from the um, uh-huh. so cerebral spinal fluid from the um, yeah. from the brain. Now we have to assume that you guys know a little bit about brain anatomy because we'll be talking about ventricles, we'll be talking about frontal, mm-hmm. temporal lobe, or various lobes of the mm-hmm. brain as well. It's not heavy hitting neuroscience, but if you're not sure about the basics, you might not get the most out of this. Yeah. Um, I recommend actually having a quick read of either Weta's histology. Sorry, Weta's histology. They have a pretty good e- and easy to read yeah, section on great. these cells. Um, and or watching something on YouTube about oh, brain anatomy as well yeah. might be a good start. Mm. So let's actually talk about why brain tumors are bad. Okay. You know, like yeah. they're bad in every case, in my opinion, because mm. there's a few reasons why they're bad. Do you so, want to maybe go through it? So you're saying that essentially it doesn't matter whether if they're benign or malignant, either way, you've got a crappy prognosis. Well, not a crappy prognosis per se. You just okay. get really worried because okay. um, of, of a couple of reasons. One, Ow. because... If you if you have a tumor, uh, it's you know brain is a vital organ yeah. and like every nerve is you know potentially important, mm-hmm. um, or, or, and every region is potentially important as well. So even if you have a benign tumor, mm-hmm. if it's compressing on an important area, yeah, then it's going to be problematic. If you want to excise it 
unlike other tissues where you can remove a lot of the margins, you don't have that luxury with brain tumors because, you know, you don't want to remove areas of the brain which are really important because of that potential clearance of the margin around the tumor. And also the problem with brain tumors is, you know, they're also growing in a very confined space because the skull doesn't expand. So that leads to further compression. And finally, they can be diffuse or multi um, or multifocal as well. So that's why brain tumors are bad, even though you might have benign or malignant region. Doesn't mean the prognosis is bad. You just worry about it because of these you know, points oh, that I've mentioned. Very true. Now, in terms of where you might find, generally speaking, tumors, mm-hmm. what if you're, if you're an adult, where would you typically find it? So in adults, the primary tumors that arise in the brain are usually found in the supratentorial region. What that means is that it's the region above the cerebellum and the uh, medulla. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> above the medulla. So <laughs> medulla and cerebellum. Um, so yes, that region, yeah. um, that's the supratentorial region. Uh, whereas in children, in contrast, they're infratentorial. Yep. And you've got different um, uh, specific common tumors that are found in adults, such as a glioblastoma multiforme, which is a grade 4 astrocytoma. Um, whereas in children... Uh, it could be a pilocytic astrocytoma and ependidoma, but yeah, we'll go through. We'll talk, we'll talk about all of that in, in a little bit more detail. The other thing that makes brain tumors a little bit tricky is the fact that CNS tumors have their own grading system as well, which makes it really mm-hmm. hard. So um, different t- type of tumors will have different grades. Okay. So we'll talk about, we'll mention a grading system because it's important for completeness. We'll mention the grading system that's used for astrocytoma, and that's uh, outlined by the World Health Organization. Yeah. And a mnemonic to help with that is AMEN, A for atypia, M for mitosis, N for, uh, E for endothelial pro- proliferation, N for necrosis, and O for other. So whether they have any molecular features, etc. Mm-hmm. But actually, what about the grading? So again, you have the four grades, but mm-hmm. they might mean slightly different things. Yes. So with it depends on like, so let's say... In the grade one, it also, from my understanding, it not only describes what it looks like, but it also describes a bit of the characteristics. And whether it can reoccur or not. Exactly. And so there's these terms called grade stable and um, grade unstable. So where it means is that whether if you resect it and if it, let's say if it comes back, whether if it stays the same grade or if it actually becomes something else. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah. So obviously the worse, uh, the the higher the grade, the worse and the more aggressive the guys are. Yeah. But I think per, from my understanding was they're, they're quite complicated. I don't have they a full, are. fully good grasp on Yeah, so I'm just briefly, are. broadly speaking, so grade yeah. one yeah. Um, astrocytomas, there's uh, very little proliferation and you can the likelihood of cure is quite high. Mm-hmm. Um, grade two, there's increased um, cellularity. Margins may be poorly defined. Um, now, you can resect it, but there's a small chance of it coming back. Yep. Grade three, you have that, again, increased cellularity, but now you have pleomorphism, which is a concerning sign. So okay. that's abnormal-looking cells. Yep. And the risk of coming back is much higher. Yep. And grade four, um, have lots of cellular pleomorphism and there's a necrosis. And the likelihood of coming back is quite high. Um, so that's when you get really worried mm. um, because you might not be able to achieve cure. Okay. So what are some of the symptoms of brain tumors in general? This is yeah. broadly speaking. I think this is probably a, a good um, good list to memorize. So because it's located in the brain, it has a lot of these are just related to the neurological features of, yeah. a, um, of a, a tumor that's growing in the brain. So you could get a headache, and this is a quite particularly um, and a p- 
particularly important thing to look out for, especially if it's associated with uh, raised intracranial pressure. Yeah. And there's a couple of ways you can tell whether intracranial pressure is raised. One is that if they change their posture, okay. so go from a, like a sitting to a um, Bend uh, bending forward, that yeah. can change your increase your intracranial pressure and that can worsen the headaches. Oh. It can be worse in the morning because you're lying flat, okay. so all the fluid is, CNS fluid can be around the, the torso and also, uh, sorry, in, in the brain area. Yep. Versus when you're walking throughout the day where the CNS fluid drains um, back into the spine. Yeah. Um, so it can be related to postural as well. Yeah. What else is there aside from headaches? So depending on the location of it, um, it could have focal neurological deficits. Yep. So uh, I, I haven't, I'm not too familiar with my neuroanatomy, but I believe like, let's say if it's in... Um, in a region that's that could affect the the vision, then yeah. obviously you could have probably symptoms that cause you to go blind. Exactly. Um, and yeah, definitely. Or if it's in the cerebellum movement disorders and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, can you have psychiatric changes as well? Yes. So it could also cause uh, personality and mood changes. Yeah. Um, so psych- paranoia and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What else can you have? Um, so it could. So let's say. Uh, so some of the hormones are having have some sort of control with to do with the brain. Yes. So uh, if there's a horm- uh, if there's a tumor in the brain, sometimes that could cause premature puberty. Mm-hmm. And also another one is uh, increased prolactin. And this one's a bit interesting, uh, actually quite interesting for me, is because prolactin is inhibited by dopamine. And well, so, dopaminergic neurons that yes yeah release and dopamine. so let's say if that's disrupted then the prolactin is not inhibited and you can increase your prolactin yep, levels exactly mm-hmm. um i think that's pretty much and a lot of the one symptoms. more very yep. important symptom is uh sudden death yeah of but, course but by the time you pick up that symptom maybe it's probably too late uh yeah yeah, it must be on autopsy. Yeah. Um, so let's start off by talking about the glioma. So we mentioned there's a broad group of cells that are classified in the glioma heading. So what astrocytes, yep. oligodendrocytes, epidermal cells. Pretty much. Yeah. Yep. That's it. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about astrocytomas. Now, these guys are, this confused me quite a lot when I was okay. reading about this because different grades are called different things. So that's a layer of complexity that you guys need to appreciate. Sure. So let's start with the fact that as you get older, Mm-hmm. the prognosis gets worse. Yeah. Right? Okay. Um, and as your grade of tumor increases, mm-hmm. your prognosis is worse as well. Right? Okay. So there's, the grade is basic, but the age thing is new. So if you get uh, the older you get these brain tumors, the worse the prognosis is. So what's a grade one astrocytoma called, Andy? Yeah. A grade one astrocytoma is a low-grade astrocytoma, and the name is pilocytic astrocytomas. You can have sub- different subtypes underneath this heading. So you can have pilocytic astrocytomas. You can also have pleomorphic um, xanthoastrocytomas as oh, well. Geez. Yeah, it's so confusing. Yeah. But let's talk about pleocystic, uh, cystic, uh, pleocytic because that yeah. was what was really focused in our lectures. Mm. Um, what's that? Um, it, what are some of the it's features? It's very common in children, and it's a benign tumor of the astrocytes. And um, so one of the features is that it could reveal a cystic lesion um, with a possible mural nodule. Mm. And this one usually arises in the cerebellum. Yeah, exactly. Um, so what's a grade two astrocytoma called? This one's called a low-grade astrocytoma. Uh, so not a low-grade astrocytoma. This is called a uh, diffuse astrocytoma. I think I've come across it being called low-grade as well. What grade one and two have very oh, similar. Right. So, but yeah. Broadly speaking, I think you might see it in your text because it's diffuse astrocytomas. So that's okay. referring to a grade two. What about grade three? 
anaplastic astrocytoma. Yeah. And remember how we mentioned the different grades and what they mean in yes. terms of the Armin sort of grade, uh, sorry, in terms of the grading system? Yeah, you did mention So that. you can kind of deduce the characteristics that you can kind of see mm. based on what we mentioned previously. So, for example, uh, grade three, you tend to see increased cellularity and start seeing pleomorphisms as well. Oh, cool. But grade four is the one that is the really troublesome one. Yes. It's called glioblastoma multiforme. Yeah. And yeah, in this one, they decided to drop the astrocyte toma name out of it completely um okay so this one is a malignant uh form of cancer and it's a high-grade tumor yeah of the astrocytes and who pro- who primarily gets this type of cancer? i think it can be seen in adults yep. um uh, adults tend to present with this um now the reason why this is bad is one it's malignant okay it's great for obviously yeah now it can have areas of necrosis so you can have brain tissue death and that's called pseudopalisade so that's an important term you guys need to be familiar with mm-hmm. it can affect the corpus callosum which is an important gateway communication between the left and the right hemisphere so you yep. can see how troublesome this is yeah and you know in terms of surgery mm-hmm. you can't really crack the brain open Maybe you could. Uh, I'm not a neurosurgeon, but no. <laughs> go all the way deep into the corpus callosum to try to remove the tissue. Mm-hmm. And that's why we mean by it being quite bad. Yes. Um, so, yeah, so the key feature is pseudopalisading. Yeah. So they have that necrosis. But they can also have increased endothelial or uh, proliferation, so increased vascularization. Okay. And the reason why this is important is that when you give contrast to scan the brain with the with to perform a CT scan, they can come across as these enhancing regions because of this increased circulation into that region. Mm-hmm. So, a couple of features: pseudopalisading can occur in the corpus callosum, and they can have these butterfly uh, appearances. Yep. They can be enhancing on CT, yep. and poor prognosis is probably the key point to take from this. Mm. Um, so that's astrocytomas, I think. Yes. Um, let's talk about uh, let's talk about oligodendrogliomas. Yes. So an oligodendroglioma is a malignant tumor of the oligodendrocytes, which were the uh, in charge of myelinating yep. the, the neurons, neuronal cells, isn't it? So these guys are very slow-growing tumors with a gradual symptom onset. Um, some of the specific symptoms that they could get are particularly seizures or neural def- deficits, and on an imaging, you could usually see it reveals a calcified tumor in the mm-hmm. white matter. And if you recall, so the gray matter is where the cell bodies are held, whereas the white matter is the tracks. Yeah. And I believe oligodendrocytes are mainly found in the white matter, the yes. tracks, because that's where they need yeah. to be myelinated. That's right. Mm. Another thing is, uh, in terms of what it, uh, in terms of its appearance, it has this sort of chicken and egg white appearance on histology. So it looks like you have this central nucleus. Mm-hmm. Imagine if you have like a just a not an omelet, but you just have an egg on the frying pan. Fried, fried yeah, egg, eh? yeah, just a fried egg. Yep. So you've got the yellow or the nucleus in the center, and they have this whiteness around, and that's what uh, it looks like. Yeah. Um, the thing is, though, the prognosis is pretty good compared to astrocytomas, and you can at the moment treat it with surgery, radiation, and chemotherapy. And interestingly, with this tumor, there are genetic components associated with it. So there are, let's say, uh, 19Q deletions, and they can use that to be able to diagnose um, oligodendro, um, oligodendrogliomas. I think that's all I want to mention about this, mm. because there's so much to get through. Let's yeah. talk about epin, uh, ependymomas. Yeah, ependymomas. <laughs> Man, the names are... Oh. Okay, so with these guys, they're malignant tumors of the ependymal cells, and we mentioned previously they line the ventricles. Um, 
and they have a this this correlates to what um, what they can cause. Right? Yeah. What happens in children most commonly if you got an ependymoma, you can get a blockage. Uh, so they could arise in the fourth ventricle and they could possibly cause some blockages with the CSS outflow. Yep. That could cause hydrocephalus where the, where the, there's too much CSF accumulating in the brain area and then that could bl- blow the head up into a large size. <laughs> it would blow the head up and it would enlarge the scalp. Okay, so, yeah. And so are there any sort of histological things that you tend to see with this? I can't quite remember, do you? I think there's a particular feature that's important, and that's called um, sort of a perivascular pseudo-rosettes. So pseudo-rosettes oh, are these okay. round structures that yeah. you might might see on, on biopsy, yeah. and that's a telltale sign of uh, ependymomas. Uh, okay. That's all I really wanted to talk about, ependymomas. Um, Is there anything else you wanted to add to it? Not quite. No? Okay. Not that I know of. Again, so these are slower progressing tumors and they have better prognosis than astrocytomas that we've we've mentioned before. Mm. Let's talk about, so that was all the glial cells tumors that I think we covered. Yeah. So we talked about astrocytomas, we talked about oligodendro, um, gliomas. oligodendrogliomas, and we talked about ependy- ependymomas. Yes. Now let's talk about some of the tumors that can affect the nerves because the nerves are still cells found in the brain and they yeah. might be affected by tumors. Yeah. So there are really two that we should talk about. Um, mm. Let's start with the first one. So one is... There's one called a gangliocytoma or a ganglioglioma. Yep. And so these guys are uh, comprised of well-differentiated or matured uh, neuronal cells. Yeah. So they're, or, uh, they're ganglion cells. They're, they have quite a rare type of uh, CNS tumor. So about four people out of every thousand people get it. So mm. 0.4% of the prevalence. Um, and they occur in the first three decades of life, so in relatively young people, yeah. I believe. Yeah, exactly. Mm. But I think they're generally, because they're so well differentiated, they tend to be more indolent or maybe associated with seizures, depending on where they're located. Yeah. And they're often found in the temporal lobe as well. Yeah. The next one's really interesting, neurocytomas. What is that? So I think that's, a um, again, a... Um, well differentiated, highly differentiated, but it's a very small um, sort of neuronal cell type that you tend to see. And it's a mixture of, for some reason, a glial as well as a neuronal. It has features of both glial cells and neuronal cells. Okay. I'm not sure what the significance of that is, yeah. but it tends to be located in the septum um, pellicidum um, of mm-hmm. the brain. And generally, it has good prognosis unless it's either spread to the CNF. Mm-hmm. Sorry, CS, um, the cerebral spinal fluid, yep. or it has invaded into periventricular structures as well. Mm-hmm. But overall, it's got good prognosis. So the neuronal cells, I guess, because by nature the nerve cells are not dividing rapidly, yep. they tend to have better prognosis. Oh, that's, that sounds like a good way to memorize it. Yeah. Yep. Now the next one is medulloblastoma, and that's a pretty nasty one as well. Um, yep. That that. That I think we should cover. Yeah. Where is it located? So this would be located in the uh, granular cells of the cerebellum. Yeah. So where the motor functions are usually located yeah. in the back of the brain. Particularly around the vermis area of the cerebellum. Oh, yes, I think. that's right. Mm. Um, and what are some of the presentations that you might come, mm. come to expect? So if it's in, located in the uh, cerebellum, so I, you would get this uh, symptom called a uh, truncal ataxia, yes. which is appearance of a um so when the child or the the patient uh, walks they've got this drunken sailor gait ish walk yeah um so that's that you could also have headaches and csf obstruction as exactly well. that's right mm-hmm. um and in terms of histology you tend to see this homer um it's called a homer right rosette mm-hmm. um again they have this sort of bluish uh, i think bluish appearance if i'm not mistaken the round mm-hmm. blue cells that are circular so rosettes as we mentioned mean circular um they generally have really 
can be poor, have poor prognosis, especially if they start spreading via the CSF. Mm. Um, there's a term called the drop metastases. What's that about? Well, a drop metastases refers to, so it's, if it's located so close to the spinal mm. cord, it, I, I, I suspect what they mean by a drop is that the metastases just follow the cord down further down to the cord equina. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. One positive thing about the streamer is that it's extremely responsive to radiotherapy. And if you catch it early, okay. your survival can be, you know, relatively well, as high as 70%. Oh, great. But again, it can be, you know, poor prognosis, especially if it's metastasized on presentation. Yeah. Now, before we talk about other tumors, let's talk about uh, meningiomas and schwannosomes. But there are also parent co- other sort of tumors that are less common that you might see in the in the brain, mm. specifically lymphomas. We yeah. won't talk too much about that. If you guys are interested in uh, learning more about lymphomas, listen to our podcast on lymphomas. Yeah. But there are also germ cells as well. Where are the germ cell tumors? There seems to be a trend about where you might find them. Yes, they originated um, from where they they develop in the embryologically and then they migrate along the midline down to yes. where they would usually end up further down yep. in the body so they're found anywhere along the midline exactly but specifically you might see it around the pineal gland region or the supracellar region and okay. these regions are centrally located in the brain which kind of makes sense um, but they're not very common uh, i don't think but uh, in terms they account for a very small percentage of brain tumors let's talk about uh, meningiomas yeah because that's also important I think the name kind of gives it away. Yes, so it affects the meninges or the meningeal layer of it. And it's a benign tumor of the arachnoid cells attached to the dura mater, the, one of the tougher uh, outer membranes that covers the brain. That's right. So technically, it's not really within the brain cells, but it's on the surrounding layer covering layer. it. Yeah. So apparently, I think when you resect it or when you open up the brain, you could. I saw a picture where they actually peeled it off. Oh my goodness. Right? So, they, But they, they grew on the inside. And they, they pressed in onto the brain and caused a big dimple there. That's the problem with it. Because it grows on the surface in yeah. between the brain and the scalp, it can mm-hmm. cause a lot of compression. Yeah. What's interesting is, though, is that these tumors tend to have a habit of expressing lots of progesterone okay. receptors. So they oh. are more... See, they're more free, they're frequently seen in females as okay. opposed to uh, men. Okay. They're slow growing. They relatively they have relatively good prognosis if you catch it early, mm-hmm. and it really the prognosis depends on how big the tumor is. Obviously, if it's really big, then it's probably causing a lot of shifting of structures in the brain. Yes. In terms of histology, what are some of the features that you might see, Andy? So histology wise, you if you if you have a slice, uh, take a slice and have a look at it, you'll see a world pattern. Mm. So these guys are. Uh, it's like a swirling of the of the surrounding tissue and you can get somoma bodies as spelled p-s-a-m-m-o-m-a somoma i think, I think they calcify exactly aren't they? they just calcify regions regions in the in the tissue mm. um so yeah so the key thing to take from many germans is that it's seen in women yep. and why because of progesterone receptor expression Makes is it bad because of the compression they do uh, in a limited confined space of the scalp mm. let's finish off the brain talk by discussing schwannomas. I think that's really important for us to cover. Yes. So they are benign tumors of Schwann cells. And so with these guys, they could possibly involve cranial or spinal nerves. And um, and in the cranium, more specifically, most commonly, it involves cranial nerve number eight, which is uh, vestibulocochlear, yeah, I believe. Right? That's right. Yeah, vestibulocochlear. So you can have these auditory... Yeah. Um, uh, so you can have tinnitus or these uh, auditory disruptions in your hearing. Mm. Usually it's unilateral, but if you get bilateral 
presentations, it suggests that you might have neurofibromatosis um, type 2, which is, a, I think, a neuroendocrine yep. or a, a neuroendocrine tumor, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Um, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about that once we cover dermatology and things mm. like that. Um, yep. But yeah, bilaterally, it's due to something else. But schwannomas, if it's occurring, it's a tumor of the peripheral nervous tissue. Yep. But if it occurs in the near the cranium, it's usually affecting um, the vestibular cochlea, so cranial nerve 8. Mm. Um, and it's generally slow growing and it can be benign. So you can excise it and hopefully it would cure the patient. Yep. So that's all I wanted to talk about. Is awesome. there anything else you want to add with uh, brain tumors? Uh, once again, Hammond has drawn up this gorgeous uh, mind map. So it's a lot of content. Um, just have a look at that. Probably will give you a better picture of it and some advice from it. Although I haven't really got my mind around memorizing them, but if you have a good idea of what cells and you can find in the brain, it probably will make life a lot easier. I think so. Yeah, that, that's that's exactly right. But yeah, the, the mind map should hopefully kind of uh, fix some of the where all these streamers lie in terms yeah. of the scheme of things. So you'll be able to find it on our website at thecommonrounds.wordpress.com or come and like us on Facebook. Yep. Uh, Facebook slash Common Rounds. And um, yeah, you'll be able to find uh, a lot of, we, we do a lot of other d- additional content. That's right. There. Yeah. So thanks for tuning in, guys. Um, we're almost close to finishing off uh, the oncology topic. So yep. yeah, we'll see you in our next episode. Bye. Bye. listening to our common rounds podcast you can find all of our episodes notes elective experiences and much more content on our website so come visit us at the and see you next time